Hey, welcome to the Faith NFM podcast. We appreciate your time today, and we encourage you to head on over to faithnfm.com where you can find the notes for this presentation, as well as links to all that's happening around Faith Assembly. Our hope is that this message helps move you forward in your faith journey. Man, what a powerful moment right there. We're praying for you. We know we're trusting that our God in this prayer and fasting season is going to do incredible things in our life. And we are looking forward to what he's going to do in 2024. Um, We've been talking about prayer. Last week, we talked about uh, specifically when it comes to praying for power. That each and every one of us, when we pray for power, God does some pretty radical things in our lives. And and we ask God's power to reign out and win out in our lives because it's through his power we start understanding God's love. But in the meantime, when we started talking about God's power, we also came to realize that we pray some some unique ways, right? We, We pray some general prayers. We pray some prayers that seem a little small. And when it comes to praying, that God doesn't want us to pray just general and small prayers, but God wants us to pray big and specific prayers. That's what we talked about last week. Um, But how many of us know we pray some general, we pray some small, but we also pray for, uh, we pray some funny prayers, right? Anybody ever pray a funny prayer, right? Like, let's just be honest here. Uh, Have you ever heard this one? Uh, Now I lay me down to sleep. May the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, follow me here if you, if you know the rest, I pray the Lord my soul to take. So it's like, hey, little Johnny, let's pray real quick. Hopefully you make it tonight. Like, but if you don't, we hope you go with Jesus. And, and you're like, what? Like, let's be honest, like kind of a goofy, funny prayer. Or how about this one? Uh, man, who loves McDonald's in this place? Come on. Like, I love McDonald's, Mac sauce, no shame in this game. But whenever you're going to McDonald's and you're like, I'm going to pick me up a Big Mac uh, with extra Mac sauce, large drink, give me that Coke and, and French fries, and you're like, Lord, bring nourishment to my body through McDonald's. God, it's going to be so good. And God's looking over here like saying like, <laughs> You want nourishment out of that? Like, come on. Or like, no, 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 better yet. Like, God, I'm looking at my pantry, these Twinkies right here, these Chips Ahoy, that gallon of ice cream at night. God, we give you this. May it just be nourished in our life. And we pray some funny prayers, right? And we pray sometimes in a, in a, in, in a way where we, we don't necessarily think about what we're praying. But I got a question for you. If I told you you could pray a prayer right now that would draw you closer to God, that would draw those around you who are other brothers and sisters in Jesus, that they would come to a greater appreciation of who God is, that they would have a a closer walk with God, would you pray that prayer? Would you pray that prayer? If you want to draw closer, this is the prayer that I want to encourage you to pray today as we continue to look throughout this series is this. Pray for those to be active in sharing their faith. Pray for those to be active in sharing your faith. Um, We've been looking at the Apostle Paul's 
prayers. Uh, he, he prayed last week, and we talked about how Paul prayed in Ephesians, and now we're looking at this. And Paul had this kind of routine in which pattern he would pray. He would say, I pray that, and then fill in the blank, so then or so that there would be the result. I think a lot of times when we come into our prayer life, we pray a little loosey-goosey. We're like, hey, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And Paul's saying, no, no, no. Christians, followers of Jesus, one thing it means to be following Christ is that we are a church that believes in results. We are a church that says, God, you can still do it. God, you can specifically answer. That's why we say during our prayer and worship or during our worship time, hey, if you got respiratory things that you need prayer over, specifically we're praying over that because God wants to show up big in your life. He wants to see results in your life. Why? To glorify God. So Paul had this routine, pray this, pray that, so then this happens. And that's what we want to encourage you with, pray specifically. So we're coming to this passage in Philemon. Uh, Philemon's this book, it's this letter that Paul writes to his friend by the name of, guess what, Philemon. And it's pretty unique because it's the only personal letter that Paul writes in all of scriptures. It's not to a collective group of churches. It's actually to this one all, it's, it's this man one-on-one. -on -one. And, and he's kind of speaking on behalf of this other, this individual. And uh, Philemon is this wealthy individual. He is running a, a, a church in his home, very much similar to what we call our faith groups. We say get involved in groups that you need to join and do life with people in your church body. And so we uh, see how Paul's writing this letter and uh, he's writing it on behalf of this man who was a slave because they had slaves back then by the name of Onesimus. And Onesimus is this slave that Paul uh, kind of runs, that runs into in Rome. And so when he sees him in Rome, it's this unique interaction they have. And he has this life transformation. This slave, and Paul leads him to the Lord and is transformed because of Jesus. And so he, he knew he escaped from Philemon, and we don't really know why he escaped from Philemon, why he ran from Philemon. We don't really know all of those details, but we do know this, that he was so transformed that he knew he had to go back to where he once was and make things right with Philemon. So we see Onesimus, and, 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 and he's going through this, and he's in this process, and Paul's praying. Paul's like, okay, let, let me write to him. Because it's interesting when, when the slave comes and says, hey, I, I'm from this man by the name of Philemon. I escaped there. He's understanding. He's like, hey, by the way, I, I know him. And so it's this like small world right here made when, when the slave, he had nowhere to go. And, and, and Paul, would, Paul saw him in Rome and they kicked it off, had a great relationship. And, and he's like, hey, well, let me write to my great friend Philemon on your behalf. So we see this prayer that Paul is praying in his letter to his dear friend Philemon on behalf of this man who escaped Philemon's captivity. So Philemon 4, you can join me there. I thank God, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and your faith that you have toward the Lord. Jesus and all the saints. Let me pause there. So Paul is writing Philemon. He's saying, I thank you, one, 
because you love Jesus. Who's grateful for those who love Jesus, right? And then part two, he says this, I also thank you because you love the saints. Who's grateful that other people who are Christ followers, you love people who are or with you, who are loving Jesus like you do. So Paul's saying, hey, that's awesome, Philemon. You love those two things. You love God and, and you love the saints. And then he goes this, I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. So let me read that again in verse 6. I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing in your life. So we see this man by the name of Onesimus being this slave, and, and Paul's writing to Philemon, and he's saying, hey, it's great you love Jesus, it's great you love the saints, but I also need you to lock in and be an understanding that if you really want to understand who Jesus is in your life, you have to be willing to actively share your faith. So I have this theory Anytime I read scripture, I like to draw the narrative in my mind, bring it to life. And sometimes it gets a little radical, it gets a little intense. And, and, uh, and, and I can just imagine Onesimus, he's, he's running from Philemon and, and, uh, and uh, he, Paul doesn't know. And, and he catches Rome, they meet in Rome. And, and here's this man, Paul, who's in captivity, preaching and declaring about Jesus. He has this, this opportunity in this public forum. And and Onesimus, he comes up and he's like, hey, um, I, I heard, you know, what you're doing. He has nothing. He's from captivity. He's escaped. And, and he sees Paul and, and they start hitting it off. They're like, yeah. Paul's like, dude, I hated Christians too. And Onesimus is like, yeah, man, I was captive by this man uh, by the name of Philemon. He, and, and, and Paul's like, wait, I, I know that guy. And Paul's like, you do? And they start going back and forth and they start talking. They're like, they both kind of come from similar backgrounds. And Paul was captive of Jewish thinking and mindset and very legalistic ways of life. And, and Philemon's like, dude, I was following a Christian, man. I wasn't a huge fan of him. Like he loved Jesus, loved the saints, but didn't care much for people like me. And so you can see this kind of thing playing out. Now, this is my theory. It's not documented. If you try to go Google all this, like this is the way it's playing out of my mind. So these guys radically meet in Rome. Life transformation takes place. And then it's, well, I got to go make things right with Philemon. And so Paul's like, hey, let me, let me write to him. Let me write to Philemon to, to let him understand what's taking place. And he's like, hey, so Paul takes out his pen. He's like, I'm going to write this for you. I know Philemon. He's my brother. Like, like we went through things and he supports ministry. Like, I'll, I'll write on your behalf, Onesimus. And Paul's writing. And as Paul's writing, he's like, hey, you love uh, Jesus. You love the saints. But bro, you have someone living under your house that doesn't know Jesus. He's like, I got to write that, underline that. And, and then Paul writes and he, he sends it back with Philemon as Philemon goes back to make, the, or sends it back with Onesimus to make things right with Philemon. And, and it's this pool, it's this emotional, heartfelt letter that, hey, no matter who's in your circle, you got to be willing to share 
your faith. And that's what Paul's praying for. That if you really want to know Jesus at a different and a new level, you've got to be willing to share your faith. What happens is it becomes a very scary place when we don't share our faith. It becomes a very scary place for Christians not sharing. It comes very inward focused, me focused. It comes like, hey, oh my goodness, like there's bad people in the world and they're like, they're the heathens of the world. They listen to secular music. They watch rated R movies. They, they do all this crazy stuff. And so then we see them and we're like, no, I don't want to share my faith. And we retract and we say, nope, 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 I, I can't do that. And we don't want to share the best news ever. And so we see this, this, this heathen and this mindset, and we're like, oh, man, they're, they're no way. They don't go to church on the weekends. They, they talk like that. They look like that. They act like that. And like, nope, can't handle that. Nope. And then we kind of hole up, and we get in our foxholes, and we're like, we'll pray for them, though. Like, hopefully they meet Jesus some other way. Well, I got news for us, church. We're not called to live a life of retreat. We're called to live a life of go. You know, Jesus says, hey, you're just going to be salt in the world, the light in the world. You're to be someone that goes and makes disciples. But a lot of times we get wrapped up in, hey, I'm going to judge that person over there because uh, they, they don't know Jesus like I know Jesus. Well, they shouldn't know Jesus like you know Jesus because they're the world. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 12, Paul puts it plainly like this. He says, it isn't our job to judge outsiders. It isn't our job to say, hey, you have a lot of things wrong with you. Our job is to say, hey, I got the gospel. Let me share the gospel with you. So Paul is writing Philemon, and he's saying, hey, the greatest thing you can do for a deeper understanding is if you share the gospel. Now, if I asked us, how many of us these past seven days share the gospel of Jesus with somebody? I'm not going to take a poll here, but I would venture, maybe fill this out there, I guess, maybe 10% of us in this room on the high end. And yet there's so many times in the church space and in our churches, the American church, where we're like, hey, I, I want to go deeper, or, or hey, we want to argue over the Greek words, or, or the music's too loud, or you know what, they, they don't do this enough. We need more cookouts, and, and we need more events and activities and programs, and it becomes this inner-focused way of living our life versus an outward-focused way of living our life. So we have to ask ourselves, why don't we share the gospel like, we know we should. We got the best news ever. Philemon is corrected by Paul, saying you love Jesus, you love the saints, you love the church, but hey, you need to share Jesus. So why is that? I, I would I venture two primary ways. The first one, I would say this one, we, we don't share because we're busy. Secondly, I would also say that we also necessarily don't share because we don't want to be that weird Christian. Anybody there with me? You know, like that person's always like kind of obnoxious and it kind of comes overbearing and you're like, dude, that's a little weird. Like, come on now. And, and you don't want to be that person. 
Like maybe you got a coworker and you're like, man, they're like, and everybody's like, dude, this guy, like I don't want to eat lunch with them. And we don't want to be those people. But I would say this, the number one reason that we're reluctant to share our faith is because we just don't know enough. Anybody ever feel inadequate? Because you're like, ah, I don't really know all the deals. What if they ask me a big question? What if they ask me a very challenging question? What do I do then? And, and, and we kind of wrestle around. And I, and I would say a lot of us, what hinders us from going and sharing is like simply this. We think the no, we, we think the more we know, the more we'll share. And we're like, well, I don't know enough, so I won't share enough. And that's our thinking. That, hey, if once I get to a certain level of knowledge, then I'll be able to go and tell everybody about Jesus. And we kind of wait, and a year becomes two years. Two years become five, and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm living a good Christian life. Like, hey, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm loving saints, going to church. And we kind of stay in that realm of Philemon. But then Paul's prayer is simply this. He says, but when you share, when we share, the more we'll begin to understand. The more we'll begin to understand. So if you're in here and you're like, man, I want to go deep in the Lord. I want to understand him. I want to know him to a certain way, to a certain extent, to a level like I've never known him before. My challenge to you, my encouragement to you is simply this. Be willing to start sharing your faith. Be boldly holding on to that. I have this graphic sharing your faith cycle is what I like to call it. Um, You can see it. So here, when it comes to sharing your faith, first, when it becomes sharing we, we, we take that initiative. We take that ownership. Hey, I share. Lives are going to be changed. Lives are going to be changed. Then there's going to be this great understanding that I'm going to have. And then I keep going. I start understanding all that God's doing in my life. I can't necessarily articulate it. We talked about that last week. But then once I start understanding, then I want other people to know about it. We start having an outward expression We start being about the lost. We start being about people who are very far gone, who need hope, who need grace. And then we want to keep going again because, hey, we get it. We love it. And we want to keep this happening. We want to share. We want to see lives change. We want more understanding for our beliefs in Jesus and who he is in our life. And then it goes outward. And and people start saying, man, there's something different about you. I got to have that. What's new? What's, What's happening in your life? But see, what happens is a lot of times we don't necessarily go with this cycle. We change it a little bit. We don't share. So therefore, lives aren't changed. Therefore, we're not understanding. Therefore, we become inward. And inward Christianity is is an oxymoron. Because Jesus lived a life that was so far an extension of reaching those who are lost. So Paul comes to Philemon and he's saying, great, you love Jesus, great, you love the saints, but someone under your house, someone who you have a relationship with, doesn't know Jesus. And I pray that the result is everybody that you encounter has an opportunity to meet Jesus. So today I want to talk to you just briefly four ways to share your faith. 
Four ways to share your faith. We're in prayer and fasting. We hope people right now are, uh, are going through some things where God's putting some divine relationships in your life where you have an opportunity to share your faith. And so I want to give you some, some hooks and handles right now so you can understand, hey, here's some practical ways you can share your faith. Number one for us is this. You can be loving but direct. You can be loving but direct. In Acts chapter 2, we see this man by the name of Peter. Radical move of the Holy Spirit takes place. And as this radical move of the Holy Spirit takes place, people are like, what is going on with those individuals as a part of this Jesus movement, this Jesus follower? And this is uh, Jesus following. And this is what Peter, the apostle, says in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. He says this. Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So Peter gets up and he is just direct with people. He says, you know what you need to do? You need to repent and you need to turn to God and then you need to go be baptized. He's that candid. He's that clear. He's that blunt, that forthright. I would encourage you, next week we have baptisms happening. Part of your following, me being very direct with you right now, you're following an act of obedience is going and being baptized. See, baptism isn't necessarily, hey, I'm checking the box so I'm going to be saved. Baptism is more of an act of obedience. And so that's what I would encourage you. So when Peter gets up and he says, hey, you need to repent, you need to uh, turn to God, and then you need to go be baptized, he's being loving, but he's being very direct. Now, I do want to caution you. You don't always have to be very direct. Because if you're direct too much, and that's your only approach to share the gospel, people are going to think you're pretty obnoxious, pretty annoying, and like, dude, tame it down a little bit. Right? Like, have you ever had some of those moments? Like, there's great times where you can be direct. I remember growing up, uh, my father, I, I came from a very strong Christian home, uh, and, and I would tremble a little bit. Now that I'm older, I do the exact same thing to my kids, uh, friends, but whenever my friends would come over for high school, uh, my father, you know, they had to meet the parents, or if I, I brought home a, a girl that my parents were like, hey, who are you hanging out with? Uh, the, my dad's number one question, where do you go to church? It's like, no, dad, don't ask that question. Like, who you hang out with? But he was very loving but direct. High school friends I would hang out with. Hey, where do you go to church? You know Jesus. Very loving but direct. And what it always did was lead to some more conversations throughout that time when I'm one-on-one hanging out with my friends. When I was long, young, I was like, God, please, no, please just, like, no, please, nothing. I don't want any intense questions. Like, God, no. But my dad always, he was very loving but direct. That's a trademark in him and who he is. Sometimes your best approach with people is to be loving, but very direct. There's people in my life that I'm trying to help navigate things. They come and they tell me the same story over and over and over. And finally, I have to get to a point where like, hey, I'm going to have to just be direct with you. Hope is only found in Jesus. So all these other things that you're searching for, you got to find it in Jesus. Another way you can share your faith is this. You can share your story. In John chapter 9, there's this blind man um, who's who's sitting there for years, and Jesus walks by, and he spits into the dirt, makes mud, puts it on his eyes. Blind man then is healed and now can see. I was trying to get Pastor Steph up here to help me illustrate the spit and the white, but he was like, no. I was like, come on, man. Uh, 
and, and so he does this and happens and, and, and this, this, whole takes, this whole thing takes place. And in John chapter nine, verse eight, people are like, what's happening? What's taking place? So his neighbors come around. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't this man that used to sit and beg? So they're asking, isn't this this guy? Some said he was and others said, no, he looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I am the same one. And then they continue to ask. They asked, who healed you? What happened? And the man's like, Jesus healed me. He was walking by, spitting dirt, put it in my eyes. It's pretty crazy. I don't know why. Like he was doing his glory, his work, his power. Your greatest testimony when it comes to sharing your faith is what Jesus has done in your life. Like, you don't have to have all the answers. You're like, hey, once I was an addict, now I'm not. It was all Jesus. Once I was a drunk, now I'm not. It was all Jesus. Once I had family issues and they were all messed up, mixed up, now we seem to get along pretty good because Jesus is the center of our life. And hey, I don't know why, but it's all Jesus. And I think so many times we get wrapped up, hey, the more I know, then I'll go share. And Jesus like, and Paul and Jesus are saying, no, the more you share, the more you understand. So I want to encourage you, some of the best tool, the greatest arse, uh, the, the, the weapon you have in your arsenal is your personal story of what Jesus has done in your life. Maybe you're, you're kind of like me, and you're like, well, I grew up in a Christian home. There's, there, I was saved by a lot of issues and problems that a lot of people have experienced. That's a great testimony for people. I think sometimes we think we have to have this radical, real-life, crazy, out-there story, and I just want to speak to you right now and say, no, share your story about how God's given you peace and how God's given you a great family to grow up in that peace. Thirdly, another great way to share your faith is you can just invite people to church. Invite people to church. Many of us are familiar with the woman at the well story where Jesus, this Jewish man, comes from this custom. Being a Jewish man doesn't talk with a Samaritan lady, let alone the Samaritan lady. Uh, she had this tendency to sleep around in her town. So it was like taboo, like, hey, don't, don't, don't go talk to your Jesus. What's Jesus do, though? He, he flips the script and he goes over and he's like, I'm going to talk to this lady. She ends up having this radical encounter with Jesus and ends up committing her life. And then what does she go do? She goes to the town in which she was staying, makes things right, and then she goes back and she brings people with her to Jesus. And the whole town comes and meets Jesus in a radical way. One of the greatest things you can do, simply invite people to church. There's something different, something that words can't describe when you see and you're in a collective of individuals who are all praising God together, who are worshiping together, who are praying together, who are listening and studying God's word together. Have you invited anybody to church lately? And I'll be honest, I'm, I'm, I say I'll be honest, it's one of the vocabulary words that I need to get rid of because it insinuates I'm not honest other places. So let me just be clear there. But let me just be transparent, okay? There's times before I was speaking up here all the time, it was a lot easier for me to come and say, hey, you want to come to church with me? Because it'd be like Pastor Goss up here preaching. I'd be like, yeah, come listen to Pastor Goss, great communicator. All the pressure was on this guy. And now I'm like, hey, you know, I see people, I'm like, you want to come to church with me? 
And they're like, okay, yeah, tell me about it. So they, they come to church. This is one of my, my favorite stories is I invited someone to church. Uh, typically, I don't tell people I'm the pastor of the church. I just invite them to church. So I invite them to church, and, and they come in, meet them, and, and I kind of show them where to sit. They're sitting down, and, and I'm like hanging out. I'm kind of talking to people, and they look at me. They're like, dude, you're a really friendly guy. And I'm like, yeah, you know, kind of have to be, you know, like. So, so I'm like going around, and I come back. I'm like, hey, you know, and they're like, oh, hey, like, we're, we're, church is cool. Like, like the music. I'm like, all right, man, uh, well, I'll see you in the next 30 minutes. I'm like, where are you going? And I came back on stage and walked out. Here I started preaching, and he's like, Dude, we had no idea that you were the pastor. And I was like, man, I didn't want to get your hopes high. You know, like, I didn't want any of that. Like, like I wanted you to come to church and like it, and hopefully you could tolerate me. You know, but I would say sometimes it's easier to invite people to church because the pressure's not necessarily on you. It's saying, hey, why don't you have someone maybe that's a little more articulate, Maybe you have a friend that can really share. We have groups, we have classes, people like that. Maybe you start there, inviting people to groups. Say, hey, what can, what can God do in your life? Let me just invite you there. Like, you know, because sometimes, like, again, we think the more we know, the better we'll share. And we put this pressure on, like, man, there's a lot to know. Another way we can share is this. We simply live a life others want. Simply live a life of what others want. In Acts 16, verse 30, this this radical experience happens. This jailer says this. He, he says this. Paul and Silas, they were in jail. They're in prison. Earthquake happens. They're praising. They're singing. And he says, then he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Because this radical moment happened in Paul and Silas's life. That this jailer who was going to kill himself and pale himself because the prisoners could have got out. He just says to them, he just goes, what can I do to have what you want? Your testimony is arguably the way you're living and leading your life right now in the present can be your most effective witness tool. And I would argue each four that we just touched on should be implemented and practiced by every follower of Jesus. And so, when you share your faith, God does some pretty cool things. God does some pretty awesome things. Know this, when you share your faith, you play a part in someone's faith journey. You pray, you, you play a massive role. You are, sometimes maybe you're the person who's planting the seed. Sometimes you're the person who's cultivating the harvest. Sometimes you're the person that just waters. Sometimes you're, you're doing different parts. But when you're sharing your faith, you're playing a role in someone's divine journey. You're playing a role where it's, it's something that you never thought of, never expected, that you might never even see the, the great benefits, but you might, they might go on to do some pretty incredible things and look back, and I, I remember Jim, man. Jim came and spoke in my life, moved me away. I had a small group leader when I was in middle school. I was surrounded by a lot of Christians, surrounded by a lot of good folk in my life. But the small group leader ended up seeing me a different way, spoken to my life in a very unique way, like no one else. I would attribute to a lot of my being up here because of what the words he said, the prayers he prayed over me when I was in middle school. Shout out to the youth leaders, the children's workers in the place. It's your work, it's what you do, it's when you're serving that lives are impacted and you're playing a huge role in someone's faith journey when you share your faith. 
when you share Jesus. And when you share your faith, your faith grows. We come to understand. We say, God, like I, I never understood you like this before. I never saw it like this before. I mean, I, I'll be honest. I said it again. <laughs> you know, I've been good for like four months saying that phrase. When you share your faith, your faith grows. I get tired at times when people are like, I want to go deep. And I'm like, how many people have you invited to church? And they're like, no one. And I'm like, that's your problem. The way you evangelize, the way you find depth and understanding through the scriptures is by sharing Jesus. Your faith radically grows. I, I can't always say, here's the perfect formula, but God does something. Our understanding puts things into practice that words can't articulate in our soul and our being and who he's designed us to be. And then three, for us, benefits is you're reminded of what we have in Jesus. You're reminded of what we have in Jesus. When you share your faith, you've got to keep coming back to the central focus point of this, that Jesus went to the cross, that he died on the cross, that when I confess all the good works, when I confess that Jesus is Lord, that God raised him from the grave, defeating sin, defeating death, Scripture says, then I am saved. My heart's transformed. My life is transformed. It's radical. We're reminded time and time again of Jesus. That's why we took communion today. We're reminded time and time again of what Jesus has done. The blood he shed. The body that was broken. So maybe you're in here in this place. And I'm hoping you understand and, and you hear our hearts and what we're trying to communicate is simply this, that Jesus is the hope, Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth, that everything starts with him, ends with him. It's through Jesus' work on the cross there that we can have a relationship with God because God sent his one and only son because he cares for us and that when we believe in him, we will have eternal life. And I pray that over individuals right now that are in this place, you've come into you've come into this church and you're looking for hope, you're looking for some questions to be answered. You, you have some mental hangups and stresses and anxieties. And I'm telling you right now, the truth is Jesus. The way is Jesus. The life change is Jesus. And the greatest thing we pray, the result that we desire to see, that God wants to see is that you come and meet Jesus in a very real and radical way. So I'm gonna invite you to stand with me at this time. Our prayer team is gonna come forward. And if you wanna make a commitment to Jesus, we have people up here, they would love to talk with you about that. We also have a connect card uh, that is in your handout. Maybe you're saying, you know what, I don't really necessarily want to come up here and pray with anybody. It's like there's pressure there. Maybe you just felt that connect card and we can have a one-on-one -on -one conversation on what it means to follow Jesus. But church, as a collective, I want to put Philemon 6 back up there. I want us to read this together. And then we're going to pray together. So, so read this with me. And I pray that the sharing of your faith 
may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. Church, let's share Jesus. Let's pray together. God, we give you this time right now. We worship you and we praise you. We call on your name. God, right now, may we be people that want to know you more, that want to understand you to a greater and deeper level. And may we be people that understand that we have to be active in sharing our faith. God, we give you this time right now. Be with those making a decision. Be with those who are writing on the connect card. Be with those who are going to come forward and pray with our prayer team for whatever need that they might have. God, we call on you right now. Jesus, in your great and holy name, we all say amen. Hey, thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or would like to speak to someone concerning this message, we invite you to fill out our online communication card at faithnfm.com. And if you're able, we'd love to have you with us in person on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. or on the best night of the week for Wednesday prayer at 7 p.m. We're at 7101 Bayshore Road in North Fort Myers, just two miles west of I-75 at exit 143. Thanks again for listening.